Welcome to the Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Follow along with the message by downloading our app, available for both Apple and Android phones. And now, for our message. If you didn't know that it was, um, that it was Christmas time because you didn't have a calendar, like you didn't know what day of the month it was or which month you were even in, how in America would you know that it was Christmas time? Like what things happen that you might know it's Christmas time? See, if you were in the store, how would you know? They start playing that music. Yeah. July 4th, they put that music on, right? And they just, no, it's exaggerating, but it feels like it. I mean, it starts really, really early. The other way you might know is driving around seeing Christmas lights on people's houses and stuff, right? It's just, it's one of those things that lets us know it's this time of the year. And, and I, I, uh, I like Christmas lights. Susan and I had the opportunity just the other day to go to um, Silver Dollar City see 6.5 million lights. I, I checked, I counted, it's absolutely correct. Six, it's actually 6.45, but I mean, whatever, it's cool. <laughs> Not, no, <laughs> so it was really good to see that, but uh, lights are temporary. Like, lights do burn out. Lights don't last forever. You know, the, the music of this season can become um, less than enjoyable, Anybody raise your hand? I was going to take a poll and say, name your top three most annoying Christmas songs. But we couldn't do that because it would be dozens and dozens of songs, right? This one's like, after a while, you're like, I just don't want to hear Dominic the Christmas Donkey one more time. That's enough, right? There's just a lot of songs that are, ugh, there's good songs. And you've never heard that one. Wow. We'll play that next week. It'll be on the worship set. Rachel, can we do that one? I'll be the hee-haw, hee-haw. Um, Christmas music is great, kind of. Like in where, where we, I'm from in the East, we have these Christmas uh, 24-7 for six weeks radio stations play Christmas music. It's amazing to me, though. As soon as it turns to 12.01 on December 26th, they go back to their regular programming. It's, it's kind of disheartening. It's like, yeah, we're into Christmas, and now we're not. Same thing with the lights. When it's, when it's you know, January 2nd or 1st, and the lights are out there, it's kind of less appealing. When it's February 1st and they're still out, it's annoying and depressing, you know? It's like, please, take those down. I have to wait 11 more months to have Christmas again. That kind of thing, that, that 26th of December letdown, which is a very real thing, where it's like, ah, oh, leaves me feeling like I want something more substantial, like in my spirit, like I want something more significant, something a little deeper, something more more connected to the eternal. And so this morning, I want us to look at, at some lights and music that is eternal out of the gospel story from Luke chapter 2. So would you turn in your Bibles or in your device to Luke chapter 2? We're going to look there together at the original. This is the, you know, this is the Christmas passage. This is the one you hear each year. If you watch the Charlie Brown Christmas, this is the one Linus um, recites during that classic Starting in verse 1, it says this, reading out of the New Living Translation this morning, it says, at, the time, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him, Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. 
Verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Joseph and Mary have to go from, they're, they're engaged, obviously. They're not, they have not come together as husband and wife, but they're engaged, betrothed, as the scripture says. They have to go from an area in Galilee, a city specifically, or a town specifically called Nazareth. They have to travel about 70 miles, give or take, down into the area of Judea, specifically to the, the town of Bethlehem, because Joseph was connected to King David. He was a part of King David's family, family line, and so he had to be counted there. And I was reading this preparation for this message, and I realized something, that for my entire life, I have imagined that Mary rode on a donkey. I mean, it's in every, like, every single movie, every single Christmas card, every single time you hear it talked about, Joseph is, you know, being the man, right, letting her sit on the donkey, and he's, you know, leading the donkey, and she's riding, because she's great with child, or it says in this text, obviously pregnant, and I don't think that that's necessarily true. She probably walked 70-ish miles over multiple days, which would explain why when she got to Bethlehem and could catch her breath, she had a baby, right? That's a lot of exercise she was getting toward that time anyway. You, have, you walk 70 miles, ladies, right? I remember Susan going to the store and walking. It wasn't even for shopping. It was a miracle. She was walking in the store just so she could bring on one of the babies that we, were, that we had, so, that she had. I didn't have anything to do with that. But they get all the way down to Bethlehem. There's no place for them to stay. There's no room in the inn, as it were. Um, and so they stay someplace. It doesn't say that it was a stable. It could have been. could have been a cave. could have been someplace where animals were kept. And the reason we know that is because Jesus, when he was born, was wrapped in cloth, and he was placed in a feeding trough or a manger. So as of that part... Verses 1 to 7, we don't have any lights or music yet, but the lights and music are coming. So look with me starting in verse 8. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born this day in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. You've heard that a million times. That, that the shepherds were out in the, in the, outside the area of Bethlehem. It was in that general area. It's totally dark except for whatever lights would be in the in the sky. So we have starlight, we may have moonlight, but it's dark, it's nighttime. And in the middle of this darkness, an angel appears, a single angel appears with this message. And it says that when the angel appears, that the radiance of God's glory surrounds the shepherds. Now, I just want to pause there for a second. What, what was that like? They're out there doing their shepherd thing, watching the sheep. They're taking care of these animals. It's dark other than starlight. And all of a sudden, the whole, the whole place that they are lights up with God's glory. And God's glory is one of those things, as you follow the Lord, as you read the scriptures, that is, diff I find, difficult to accurately define. Because it has an, a lighting element to it, but it also has a, a presence, a sense to it, uh, uh, that you would feel it. God's glory, according to one Bible dictionary I consulted, said the revelation of God's being, nature, and presence to mankind, sometimes with physical, pheno physical phenomenon. In other words, sometimes you would actually experience it, not just, not just uh, see it. The root of the word for glory is weight, 
or heaviness. So when this angel shows up, it's not just that it got to be like bright outside, which would be miraculous in and of itself. It was bright outside, but they felt God's presence with them. It was God's glory, but the angel was speaking. And the best thing that I can equate it to is when, if you think back in the Old Testament, when Solomon uh, had the temple built, as that temple was completed and the priests were there and they were, they, were, they were finishing up the preparations, it says that in 2 Chronicles chapter 5, that the cloud filled the temple. It actually says in chapter 5, it says that, that the, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. So you've got, you've got men who are doing their priestly duties. They're there, they're, they're, they're ministering, they're, the temple is brand new, and God says it's done, and his presence falls, and it's like a cloud. And it says that those, minister, those priests couldn't minister because of the weight of the presence of God. And I think it's not a stretch to say that when the angel showed up and the radiance of God's glory began to surround all of those who were there, all those shepherds, a couple dozen guys, who knows, or maybe even some ladies, some shepherdesses, but as the glory of the Lord came, they were terrified, and I'm guessing they went down. That is a natural, by the way, that is a natural reaction to the presence of God. You'll notice in the scripture that no time does God show up and someone says, yeah, what's up? Never happens. It is always down. It is always to the knees. It is always prostrate, laying out. And so I think these guys were just feeling the presence of God. This angel comes and says, you know, I've got this message for you. And, he, and Scripture says they're terrified. And, of course, the angel does the most helpful thing when you're terrified. He says, oh, don't be afraid. Okay, sure. <laughs> and they all pop back up and said, all right, what do you have to do? I mean, not really, really helpful. That's a good kind of fear, right? They're feeling that fear of God, that fear of the presence of the Lord. That's the only kind of fear that we're supposed to have. And so the, the, the uh, angel begins to tell them this message. I come to bring you good news of a great joy of the Savior that is being born for all people. The light of God's glory, if you want to write this down this morning, the light of God's glory is greater than any light display that we could ever create, that humans could ever create. God's glory shines around them, not just lights, but something they felt, a heaviness, a weight. And as the angel announces to them the good news of this great joy that a Messiah was born, these are Jewish, um, these are Jewish shepherds. They understood what that meant. That would have been a big deal to them. They would have been shocked. They would have been stunned. But they would have also been very excited to learn that Messiah, who they've been praying for and waiting for, literally for hundreds of years, have been born. The angel tells them where to go, go to Bethlehem, and he tells them what to look for. The baby is wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And it's almost like, as the narrative goes, it's like you can almost feel like, okay, we're ready to go do this. And on top of this one angelic appearance where the single angel is speaking to them and the glory of God's, God's glory is, is radiating around them. On top of that, look in verse 13, because instead of it just being a little bit miraculous, now all of a sudden it's like miraculous on steroids. Because it says in verse 13, suddenly the angel was joined by the vast host, by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the, angels, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. It was amazing enough already. They're already feeling the presence of God. They're already probably down on their knees, terrified, but hearing this wonderful news. And on top of that, a bunch of angels show up. Now, I researched, and it does not, this number is not clear. It says the vast host of the armies of heaven. We don't know how many angels that would be. 
But 30 years later, 33 years later, when Jesus is in the garden and Peter pulls out the sword and wants to fight off those who are coming to take Jesus and arrest him, Jesus says to Peter, don't you think that I could appeal to my father and he will at once send 12 legions of angels? Remember when Peter says that? Or Jesus says that to Peter? Raise your hand if you remember that. Okay, awesome. All 12 of you, that's fantastic. A legion at that time would have been about 6,800 soldiers. 12 legions would have been a little shy of 82,000 angels. So in the moment when Jesus is being arrested, he tells Peter, take it easy. I could call 82,000 angels. So as a point of reference for back in uh, this night outside of Jerusalem in Luke chapter 2, there are hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of angels. We know from Revelation and at the end of the scriptures that there are millions of angels. Now, we don't know how many of them showed up, but a whole bunch of angels showed up. And if it was stunning and amazing to experience God speaking through an angel and his glory surrounding them, imagine what it was like if, let's just say, 25,000 angels showed up with him. Here's the other thing. I have always, I am 50 years old. For 50 years, I've thought all those angels were up in the sky. But the text doesn't say that. The angel was speaking to them, and it says that he was joined by all of these, this vast army. So just imagine for a second, put yourself in the shepherds. I'm just doing my shepherd thing, watching my sheep, hanging out, probably a little drowsy, beautiful night. An angel comes here. That's new. Now the glory of God is around me. That's amazing. And now there's thousands of angels all together, all around me, all singing. And the reason I believe they're singing is because it says they're all saying in unison, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Luke was able to record what they said because I believe they were all saying the same thing and they were singing it. They were worshiping. And so now the shepherds are swept into this place where this amazing heavenly song is being sung by a choir of angels who are celebrating Jesus. There is no Christmas song that we could write that would even begin to compare to what those angels sang. I'm so grateful that Luke wrote down the actual words. An army of angels singing praise to Jesus is better than any Christmas song that we could ever come up with here in, the, in, in this time. You ever wonder why that, where they were? Did they just come specifically to talk to the shepherds? I, I have this, turn to the person next to you and say, this is just what Tim thinks. please. So that way you don't get me in trouble. You're like, this is what my pastor said. No, I'm not saying that it's right. I'm just, I'm not saying it's right. It's just what I think. I think they were at Jesus' birth to watch. And then they, the shepherds got included in that. But I think they were at Jesus' birth to watch. Because remember last week I talked about how the first reference to Jesus coming is in Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve sin and God condemns and brings judgment upon the serpent. He says, her offspring will bruise your head and you will bite his heel or strike his heel, I think there was 82,000 or whatever the number was, angels around where Jesus was being bored, just, just as a way of making sure that this happens. Protecting, these are it's an army of angels being there to make sure that God becomes flesh and dwells with us so that every other thing that God had planned from that point forward would begin to take place. For whatever reason, they're there, they're there, they come over, they do this amazing worship service with the shepherds, and then they leave. They take off, they go back up to heaven. Of course, the, the shepherds say, this is great, let's go see what, what we've been told about by the angels. Let's go see this baby, let's go see Messiah, let's go see the one who is God with us. There's nothing that we can 
create here in this temporary space called the Christmas season that could compare with that. There's no amount of lights, even at Silver Dollar City. There's no amount of music, there's no amount of song, there's no amount of worship that can compare with what we see here in the text. And the thing is, if we shift from having a best Christmas ever mindset to a forever Christmas mindset, we have to look in the texts like these and say, Lord, I want my celebration of you in this season to be like what they experienced. Not just the things that we do for our, our, our holiday traditions or what we, what we do at church during this season. It's got to be bigger than that. It's got to be deeper than that. Because our lights burn out, right? The bulbs burn out? Raise your hand, any bulbs burn out? Anybody's dog bite through the electrical cord of your light? Yeah, no? That happens? Even if you use candles, what happens with them? Yeah, they melt. We left one burning the other night, all night. It melted. It didn't catch our house on fire, praise the Lord. But I mean, they, they don't last forever, you know? The songs go away eventually. They become less than pleasing, even annoying after a while. But the radiance of God's glory and the worship that is being offered the Lamb are continuous on and on and on. As I mentioned earlier, Revelation talks about it. At the end times, at the very end, Revelation chapter 1 says that in the new Jerusalem, there's no sun or there's no moon because God provides the light and the Lamb is the light. It says in Revelation chapter 5 that there are millions of angels worshiping God around the throne constantly saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There are people around the throne and they're joined with angels and with the elders and with the living beings and they say, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Worship is eternal. What we see in Luke chapter two is just the smallest little splinter, the smallest little sliver of what we're being invited into for all of eternity. Could you imagine being, a, being one of the shepherds Oh, I'm sorry. Don't imagine that yet. Stop. Christmas, if you want to fill this in, Christmas moves from being the best ever. I'm so good. Being the best ever uh, to being forever as we focus on the first advent and that which is outside of time and space. I mean, I did it last week. I forgot an entire part of the service last week, so why not? When I think about being one of those shepherds, and I'm going to talk more about this next week because they're super special in this sense. They are among the lowest in that culture. They are outside of the, of the important circles of people. It's a very unglorious job. It's, it's not, it's not um, uh, the kind of a position that someone would have who was important. It's the lowest caste, if we say it that way. And out of all the people in the universe, out of all the people that were in Jerusalem, of all the people that were in Israel at that time, God chose, chooses to show up and to declare his glory and to announce the coming of his son to the people who are the lowest. And I love the thought of being there with him and God saying, hey, something great's happening. I want to include you in what I'm doing. Go over to Bethlehem. See this little baby, God in flesh, the Messiah. He's wrapped in cloth. He's in the manger. It's an amazing thing that God reaches out to them. Could you imagine God reaching out to us and saying, I want you to come and see what I'm doing. I want you to see my son. That's exactly what he does do. At Christmas time and all the rest of the year, God is constantly saying to all people, any who will call upon him, anyone who will look to him, he says, I want you to come near. I want you to see my son. And I want us this morning, just in thinking about the shepherds and thinking about this amazing light show and thinking about this amazing music, I want us this morning just to, to open our hearts again and to surrender to the Lord 
and to ask him to make himself real to us again. And I'm speaking specifically to people that already know the Lord. If you already have a relationship with him, one of the worst things that can ever happen to us is that we become no longer in awe of God. No longer in awe of what we see in the word. No longer in awe of the amazing gift that he gives us in Jesus. And so I want us this morning to think about ourselves as shepherds being invited to look into the manger. Can we pray that way together? Would you stand with me, please? If you're able to stand, would you stand with me? Every single person on this planet has been invited to sing his song have been welcomed into his glory. The Father invites all of us, those who know him and those who who don't yet know him, to come and to worship him. Would you close your eyes? Let me remind you of the best news of all, the gospel. Before the foundation of the world, it was God's plan to send Jesus to come to earth as a helpless, dependent infant, to live a a perfect life, a life without any sin, to die a once and for all sacrificial death on a Roman cross and to rise from the grave, actually coming back to life, thus breaking the power of sin and death off of every human being who would ever look to him and say, Lord, I believe. And he did that for all of us. He did it for you, he did it for me. He did it for the untold billions of people on this planet. And it is his invitation constantly reaching out saying, I want you, like like to the shepherds, I want you to come to my son. I want you to come and see what I've done. I want you to come and see what I have given you. And so this morning, can we we think of ourselves as shepherds for a moment, scurrying to, to Bethlehem, looking for that stable or that cave, that space where Jesus is? Can you just see yourself approaching the Lord Jesus? And not just seeing a little beautiful baby, I'm sure he was, not just seeing this little infant, but seeing the hope of of humanity, but seeing the Lord, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the fairest of 10,000. We would look into the manger and not just see a baby, but to see the one that is the light of the nations and the demonstrator of righteousness and the giver of justice to the world and the healer of blind eyes and the deliverer of those who are in deep, dark dungeons. Let's look into that manger as shepherds included in God's great plan. And from our hearts this morning, let's just surrender again. Lord, we come to you. We come to you, Lord. May we not, Lord, may we not become so used to Christmas that we stop seeing Jesus and stop worshiping him and stop being in uh, in awe of all that he has come to do. And Lord, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here, either in the room or online watching, who does not know you, Father, I pray that they would cry out from their heart, Lord, save me. Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me of my sin. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I believe that you are God's son. Be my Savior and Lord. If that's you this morning and you're here and you're listening and you've never prayed that prayer, I'm going to be quiet for just a few moments here. And from your heart, I want you to pray with your mouth. You can even whisper it. Lord, save me. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Just wait a few moments right now.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you prayed from your heart, seeking the salvation that comes from Jesus this morning, please just let us know. We want to stand with you. We want to pray with you. We want to partner with you and see you grow in your walk with Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name we come. Stir us up, Lord. Cause us to be hungry for you. Cause us to look past this season to the forever part of Christmas. Thank you for being our Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for coming, dear Jesus. Thank you for being the Lord of glory. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you extend your hands in front of you? I want to bless you in the name of the Lord before you go with a blessing from Isaiah chapter 9. Grace Church family, I bless you in the name of Jesus. May the son who has been given to you be your counselor and guide. May he show you his might and may his might flow through your life. May he fill your heart with the father's eternal and unchanging love. May he cover your mind, your will, and your emotions with his peace, the peace that flows like a river. And finally, may you rest in the sure knowledge that his kingdom will never, ever end. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this message made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about Grace Church, visit us on the web at grace417.com or connect with us by filling out a connection card on our app.